0: You're listening to the Sportsman's Nation Podcast Network, brought to you by Outdoor Edge. Now, Outdoor Edge is a knife company. We all know that. They offer a complete line of fixed blade knives, replaceable blade knives, and game processing kits, right? So any blade you need to break down an animal, these guys have it. Now, the cool thing about their replaceable blades is let's say you are in the middle of breaking down an animal and the Blade Goes Doll. The only thing you have to do is push a button. The blade pops out, you put a new blade in, it locks in tight, and you're back to breaking down that animal. You get it cooled down, you get it back to the truck faster, and you get more meat in the long run. So if you want to find out more information about all the blades, fixed, replaceable, and game processing kits that Outdoor Edge makes, Visit their website, OutdoorEdge.com, and if you want to save 30% on your purchase, enter the discount code NATION30, that's N-A-T-I-O-N 30, and that's OutdoorEdge.com. southern ground hunting podcast
1: is brought to you by spartan forge it's forged in combat and tailored for hunters spartan forge stands at the nexus of machine learning and whitetail deer hunting to deliver truly intuitive and science-based products that save the hunter time spent scouting planning and executing their hunts You can start your free 14-day trial today by visiting spartanforge.ai, and you can use the code SOUTHERNGROUND, that's all lowercase, all one word, SOUTHERNGROUND at checkout, and that'll get you 25% off of your purchase. If you're wanting to know more about saddle hunting, well, check out tetherednation.com for all your saddle hunting needs. Tethered is for saddle hunters, by saddle hunters, and they're redefining ultralight hunting. If you'd like to support the Southern Ground Hunting podcast, you can visit patreon.com forward slash Southern Ground Hunting, or you can click on the link in the show notes of this podcast episode. We offer two different tiers for our patrons that offer a solid list of benefits. We'd love for you to join the Southern Ground Hunting community today. Again, that's patreon.com forward slash Southern Ground Hunting. And now let's get to the show. Okay, on the show today we've got. Mr. Byron Horton, you guys are gonna uh, probably recognize that name because the man is a consistent killer, um, one of the one of the greats as far as I'm concerned, uh, an underrated great, I would say, um, because Byron, dude, you, in the time that I've known you, uh, I I don't think there's been a season that you just haven't killed a great deer. Like you've you consistently kill good deer, just about every year. Which is
2: pretty Man, cool. We can't talk about the hot streak, um, yeah. <laughs> but I've done, I've done, yeah, I've done pretty well, uh, in the last, uh, several years. And, and then I don't know, you, you concentrate that with China trying to, trying to evolve as a deer hunter and, and knock down a little bit better class always helps. But yeah, I appreciate the, those kind words, but by no means great or anything. I, I say, I'm just looking for a good one.
1: Well, listen, I, you have, uh, the, the, the crew that you hang out with, you can always tell a lot about a person by the crew that they hang out with. And the crew that I see you with the most consistently is a bunch of killers. So you fit right into that. You fit right <laughs> into that group uh, very well. But you had a great season this year, which is uh, um, nothing new. But uh, we haven't been able to hook up to have you on the podcast. I think I've asked you a couple times, and we just haven't been able to, to work it out. But uh, I'm super excited about you coming on, man.
2: Yeah, no, I appreciate it. I've followed you uh, since the beginning. We've passed a, a few times, one at ATA. Um, you, you called me actually too. another funny moment was I blew it on a buck uh, uh, two years ago in Kentucky and you killed one the same day. And I was hauling out, out of the woods or whatever, walking like a, a long distance and you gave me a buzz. And I thought it was just a cool moment that hear you and I've never really like sat down and had beers or nothing. But you're calling me about shooting a stud out of state, and I'm like, dude, I just blew it. <laughs>
1: yeah.
2: Like, I got to get back out there. Like, you know, it was pretty cool. I, I
1: think uh, there was one time, which it, it, this doesn't happen a lot to me, man, but sometimes, sometimes I just feel like, um, like when you know a person is a good dude and you want to help out. You had gotten some camera gear stolen. Yeah, and well, yeah, we, I did like a, that. we did like a we Go did like a GoFundMe thing, and uh, I put it out there i don't think man we may not have ever even talked at that point but i i remember seeing all your videos and stuff like that i was like man i like this guy and then i heard about that and i was like we got to do something because i mean maybe it was a selfish thing because i just wanted you to keep making videos
2: Sure, Uh, yeah that that was a devastating day uh somebody had kicked in the door of the house and uh basically took a quick quick grab items and so my camera was gone the drone um external hard drive left which that kind of sucked uh as far as like some of that early footage and stuff that would have been cool to like look back on especially now um but yeah that kind of uh that made the rebound so much uh 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 easier to, and easier to keep going at this uh at this game but uh, yeah that that was uh i was very touched at that moment to hear yourself and plus other people were handing uh dollar bills out of their pockets and you know, I'm not somebody to, to ever ask for for cash or whatever. That's that's I don't know. That's just something I, I don't do. And and I was very touched so. So I very much, uh, uh, very much appreciated that. And I tried to send a, a lot of them guys once uh, a couple months had past shirts, um, yeah. just to say thank you. Well, you know,
1: so, I think uh, I think it says a lot. We, I want to say it, we got that money. Um, I mean, it was like a, I think it, I've been, it was substantial. Yeah, it was like over a grand. And I think yeah, it was, like, yeah. in, like, a day and a half or two days. Like, it was fast that yeah, I was able yeah. to send you that. And um, so I think that says a lot about you and who you are. Like I said, uh, kind of giving you an intro. You're a consistent killer, always getting it done. Um, and you have kind of coined this hashtag, <laughs> hard-earned bucks. Um,
2: yeah.
1: Did you, come, did you guys come up with that, or did, it, did you just say, hey, that sounds cool. I'm going to keep using it.
2: So so I'm gonna I'm gonna defer Dave coined the term. Dave Andy had the term hard-earned bucks. Um the Whitetail experience was almost team hard-earned bucks, or we were trying to figure it out and, and how it would work or whatever. And um yeah, hard-earned bucks just sticks. I feel like uh that if somebody hears that and they're like, Yeah, like it's it's a little different than no offense to the juries the Lakowski's. But, uh, mm-hmm. I very much, I feel like target my brand to who I was at age 18, 19, I uh, got a later start in the hunting. And so like, I was obsessed with deer hunting and I would sneak into the college dorm with the outdoor channel and watch these shows. And honestly, like then we try and mirror that in the woods and I had access to a 10 acre chunk and, and then public land. And you can't do that. Like, it's not the same world. And, and so, yeah, like, um, that hard earned bucks that, that, that hashtag kind of just came in, came about with running around with Dave and Andy and it's it, it stuck. And I think people, I don't know, they like that term. They, it, it's you punch that into uh, Instagram hashtags and you can see it's a lot of DIY guys like, like yourself.
1: I love it, man. And, and it's one of those things that like, so when I shoot a deer and whatever, I have a kayak or a boat or whatever, most of the deer I shoot are via water access. I just really like the boat bucks. It just something about it just sounds right. But I always think about like, I wish I would have been able to come up with the phrase or with the tag hard earned bucks, because like, like you and I, and so many people listen to this, uh, it doesn't matter if it's a spike 4.6 point or a giant, you know, most of these public land deer that we're killing, they're hard earned, you know, and that's, that's to me, uh, that's so much of why I, I love it I've I've killed we were just talking about this buck that I killed in Kentucky this year I, I couldn't use that because I didn't feel like it was a hard-earned buck you know I, I it was a hard I don't know um the experiences that kind of got me to that point of that sure. deer were definitely tough and they were I worked hard and yeah. and maybe one could say that I earned the opportunity to be able to go and kill a deer on a field edge on private land out of a lock on stand, you know, but uh, I didn't it, it it didn't carry the same weight. And so when I hear that tag hard earned bucks, it, it's like, you know, man, that guy had to struggle to get there. He had to struggle to get that. And if people yeah. are using that tag and it, it's one of those things, it's like I would feel bad about using it if I didn't for real, like have to work for it pretty hard,
2: you know what yeah, I mean? And, and I don't think it's necessarily a public private thing. Cause like, no, not at all. You know, like if somebody puts their heart and soul into manipulating a piece, a uh, habitat improvements over the years, it could still be a hard earned buck. Uh, I do think you have to drag the deer at some vicinity. I feel like that is a, <laughs> a, a, just a capturing image in my head. When I picture the term hard-earned buck, like, I don't care if you got to drag it at least a hundred yards to a four wheeler path, but um yeah, yeah you you, you
1: need it. to do that you're exactly right yeah yeah i don't feel like i earned them if i didn't have to drag it. i mean at least a little bit um, yeah yeah i killed a doe um, this year that died right next to the water and it was just cush man like she literally oh. died in the water i paddled right up to her and threw her in there we were good to go um not a hard-earned doe yeah.
2: definitely not well, did- so, my first buck uh, was one of the easier drag outs I've ever had in the last 10 years. And then my second one was maybe one of the longest time frames. Physically, it wasn't terrible, but longest time frames to get uh, from dead buck to truck. Um, but, yeah, like, it, 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 uh, um, it, the, the first buck was still hard-earned. I hiked that mountain and fell enough times trying to get up there um, that I earned it. But at least the drag out was, it was cushy, if you will. Uh, sure. Sled to downhill pretty much all the way
1: so you're hunting a lot of a lot of hill country type stuff is what i kind of gather is that pretty accurate yeah,
2: i would say this year i would i would i would definitely say that um i i generally 40 60 split between maybe a farm country uh setting and more of a big woods hill country 60 percent of the time and i think over the last three four years I'm I fall more in love with the big wood stuff or the hill country stuff um, you know over the farm country stuff uh, I will say some of the farm country populations are make it a little more enjoyable you see more deer mm-hmm. um, but I, I my 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 mom's side of the family is all from southern Ohio and so just driving those big hills hollers and you're like dude what could come out of some of those places you, you just wonder mm-hmm um, so yeah, I've, I've kind of become, I guess, it, yeah, if you said I could shoot the equal class buck and he comes out of farm country versus the Big Woods Hill country, I think I'm going to say I'd rather shoot him in the Big Woods Hill country. Just, I like that pursuit.
1: I agree. Uh, I'm, I'm kind of the same way. And I, I do feel as though there are some guys who... When you look at farmland, and there may be more people this way just because the Midwest is pretty big. Uh, Mm -hmm. There's a lot of farmland type stuff in the U.S. Some guys can look at farmland and say, I know exactly where I want to be on that piece of property. I know I can put this piece of the puzzle together or I can put this whole grand puzzle together off this farm, you know, whatever, cropland, farmland, whatever. They can figure that out. And then there's some guys who look at the big woods and look at these hills and, like you said, the hills and hollers and all that stuff, the terrain. And you just you can look at it and and say, I need to be right there. It doesn't intimidate you. Whereas for a lot of people, when I look at a big piece of farmland, dude, it's intimidating as heck to me. I I'm like, I don't know. Well, I, I, hmm. And there's a bunch of field edges. You know, it's just it, I, it's like a jumbled thing and but when i look at some hills and haulers and clear cuts and big wood stuff i can almost like pinpoint pretty quickly where i want like the area that i want to focus on in the it it does not intimidate me because it's what i'm used to and so i'm the same way as you man i I love it i love that that big just big country stuff yeah big
2: bigger landscapes um sometimes hunting pressure is less uh Mm -hmm. I feel like um, I, I do think this though. I feel like sometimes when I hunt the big woods and, and stuff like that, I kind of personally just based on my personal skill set, I almost need a little bit of that ruddy type stuff to kick in. Mm-hmm. Um, I do not have a good early season game dialed. I really haven't had a lot of good encounters in, in that aspect. Um, so, so farm country, I think I, I've I've had some in well.
0: That's I still true. haven't closed.
2: Yeah. I haven't closed You're the right. deal early, early season in farm country, but I've, I've at least visually seen a few things. Um, but, but yeah, like I feel like at least with my big woods pursuits, I used to actually rewind about five years ago. I used to not touch big woods and hill country until about, uh, let's call it October 15th and, and onward. I may scout a little bit or pull a cam, but, but I generally was kind of waiting for some of that pre-rut to kind of kick in to help me out down there.
1: That's exactly right. That's a great point, uh, and one that you and I have talked about in uh, in regard to cell cameras and um, and things like that. You are correct. I've I have been to places like Kentucky, Tennessee, um, and in farmland. You know, it's a little bit easier to pinpoint movement for early season stuff before the rut because you got food sources that are there. When you're looking at big woods stuff. I mean, the entire mountain can be a food source because it's covered up in acres. You know, it's just, yeah, it, it's really, really hard to pinpoint early season. For example, this year in Alabama, and I'm sure you've had seasons like this too, where people see the highlights on social media, but they don't see actually how many times you've been up in those hills trying to figure out something for early season. I didn't see, I saw a spike and I saw a six point. That was all I saw from October 1st through November the 27th. So almost two months, I saw two uh, bucks in Alabama and I was hunting like every day (laughs) that I was here. Like it was a lot of hunt,
2: but I, uh, I had a similar situation where, um, I saw a few deer like scouting and and moving, if you will, but like ambush style encounter with a buck or, or deer, deer, let's just blanket deer was not until october 26th um, how many days do I you st-
1: think you hunt a week i know you're a working class guy so uh yeah. so you you have a job you have a full-time job you got a family how many days do you say you're actually spending a week in the woods i would
2: say it, it, it depends on the the let me go this let's call it uh opening weekend which is generally uh the last weekend in september here to like october let's call it around the 15th or 20th i try to I try to hunt or scout, uh, two to three times a week. It just kind of depends. And I'll punt a lot in those October 5th de- time period. Like, Oh, let's go get the pumpkin patch down on October 5th with the kids or with the, with the family. But like starting around the 15th of October, it's three to four times. Like I may just take two hours off work and, um, you know, essentially hunt the morning or hunt the first hour and, and then scout for an hour. And I, I do volume shoot the, the later half of the month. And I'm, I'm very key. Uh, I guess a key tactic of mine, especially late October is burning half days off work. Uh, that way I can get some consecutive type information, uh, when it's really timely there, the late October.
1: Would you say where you're at? Um, I, cause I would venture to say that the type of area that you and I hunt is pretty similar. Um, just judging by your videos and things, I would say it's probably pretty similar. Do you get more value out of morning hunts or evening hunts where you're at?
2: Um, Morning for sure. I'm a morning guy. Um, Especially even just harvest numbers. I've killed way more bucks between eight and noon. Or sunrise and noon whatever that is yeah. then the second half late october i think it's an evening game but there's a switch right in that time frame that that morning hunts are better and um if you're gone from the family I, dave and i talk about this it's way easier to get a 2 hour morning hunt in maybe a 30 minute scout and then be back home by say noon you're home the rest of the day that balance is, is better
1: um, so i would say the exact same thing uh what do you have a theory behind why hunting is better In the morning where you're at in the, in the, in the hills. Cause I would assume, and you correct me if I'm wrong, I would assume that the farmland stuff that you hunt, it's probably better in the evenings if I had to guess, because that's been
2: my experience. Um, yeah. If I just look at, at buck harvest, uh, eh, it might be a little more 50, 50 versus the the big woods is his 80, 90% morning encounters. Sure.
1: Do you have a theory? On in big woods, why that's the case?
2: I I, I just that rut the uh, time period those bucks get on their feet maybe an hour or so into the day, yeah, and, and they go look for them does that lay down. And I just maybe that's when I walk through the woods and scout. Maybe those are the ambush points that tickle my spider senses, yeah. if you will. And that's that's why I've, I've 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 seen more deer during that time. I've had more encounters. I've wondered uh, that,
1: I've wondered if it's yeah. a self a self fulfilling prophecy that hunting mornings are better. Cause I, yeah. I hunt mornings like that's, I'm the same way as you. I hunt mornings because, you know, I can get home a lot of time when the family's only been awake for a couple hours. So the day's not wasted. So, so it could definitely be that, but I have invested time in the evenings earlier on mm-hmm. and just not seen deer. Like even, even the peak of the rut when me and dad are doing rutcation, We'll hunt evenings and we just don't see the same quality of deer. We don't see the same numbers of deer. You might see a doe, might see a spike, you know, it, it's just not going to be, you know, the bigger buck movement like you see in the mornings. But here's my theory, okay? And and you tell me if this could make sense where you're at. So in Alabama, um, we have, you can bait, you can put corn out on private land. Uh, private land, private properties have food plots and things like that. In these big woods public places, most of them don't have, uh, you know, a, a, a huge amount of food plots. There's not a lot of ag around where I live at. Um, but you definitely, on the private lands, you have corn piles, feeders, food plots, stuff like that from hunting clubs and leases and things. So when I watch TV, so so TV deer, um, most of their success is happening in the evenings, almost it seems like almost always you're watching an evening hunt. There's not a ton of morning uh, morning type hunts that are successful on TV. And so my theory is that a lot of these big woods deer, especially in the type places where, I, where I'm hunting, because I'm hunting a lot of property lines, property boundaries and things like that, uh, broken up public. My theory is that these deer are going in the evenings, they're, Kind of concentrated, their movement is going to be more concentrated towards the private food sources. And in the mornings, we get so much movement because there's, you know, the deer coming off of those food sources and coming back onto the public, the big woods, the stuff that offers a little bit more security for their day, you know, for their daytime activity. And then obviously in the evenings, they go over to those corn piles because I definitely hear other people people who hunt private land out here they wouldn't i don't think a lot of them would say that there's a uh big huge difference in uh mornings and evenings but definitely the public public land guys say that
2: yeah so like you're saying in the evening it's more of a a straight shot a to b they're going to that 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 food source they're not uh, and then in the morning they're maybe more inclined to to bebop and and shoot over here, grab smokes, I'll wait, I'm gonna hit this uh, other browse source on my way back to cover. Sure. Um, or or a, even a during line movement.
1: Even during the rut, you know, I mean, mm-hmm. they're gonna do they they may do more of their chasing, you know, in those in, in that little more secure area, which would a lot of times in the places that I hunt would be uh in the you know, on the public side of things
2: yeah I, I i could see that very much being uh, a key factor uh, in fact we have joked for years uh, as far as the rut like the core of the rut here in, in ohio and even really out of state like we see a lot of deer until about noon to two o'clock ish maybe but like it, our group in the rut november one through the whole month of november really like we just don't have evening encounters as much uh it, it's just maybe yeah, our game's not as strong in, in that sense. So yeah, I can very much uh, uh see that as far as those deer be bopping around a little bit more in the the morning hours and just I don't know, taking their time essentially to, to get back to bed a little bit more.
1: I would be interested. I know you're I know you're really good buddies with uh the DeQuistos, um hang around with Cody a lot. Uh I would be interested to get his take because he's one of the few guys uh yeah. that he seems to have a lot of success in the mornings
2: in um, yeah. more of a traditional agriculture setting. Mm-hmm. Yeah.
1: Yeah. I would, I would be interested to know his take and and it may just be that he's really pushing in close to bedding, which would be, uh, you know, a good tactic for early in the morning, getting there early before he gets there.
2: But he's not a, yeah, he's not a bee in the dark like hour and a half before daylight guy. He's like, dude, it's gray light. I got to throw my sticks on the tree. Like he's, that's just who he is. I, I, I'd be interested to know, like, what, yeah, you know, why, if he has, why? I'm
1: sure. I mean, he's an intellectual guy. He's a student of the woods, right? So, I'm yeah. sure he has a a theory on why mornings are are better. Um, but it it's it's interesting though because um, I have noticed I, I've taken taken note of your hunts, and it seems like a lot of them happen in the mornings, which is great because you can drag in the daylight. Um, you
2: find them in the daylight. You yeah. can
1: find them in the daylight. I hate shooting deer in the evening. It's just so stressful, man. <laughs> it is. A dude, stressful I'm with thing. you.
2: I do not like the evening game as far as like, dude. Like, I gotta find this thing in the dark with a headlamp. To me, it's a more enjoyable experience to see the woods wake up versus trudge back to the the, the truck in the dark. Like, at least in the morning, right? I try I go find my stand or my ambush point in the dark, but I know it's going to get light. Like there's a positive coming yeah. versus the opposite <laughs> is true for that evening game. Like you're just like, dude, that temperature is going to drop. It's going to get cold, uh, dark. The Yotes might be out, dude. I don't know. It, it definitely is a different feeling.
1: So, uh, so you, sh- you shot two bucks this year. Um, I know you done, you do a little bit of out of state hunting, but it seems like you, you typically s- really focus more on Ohio. Is that yeah, right? Yeah. Uh...
2: Um, the last, yeah. So, so relatively, I would say new and a mistake made, um, in my early twenties was not going out of state. Um, I would say I've only done the out of state thing here. Let's see how I've gone to Wisconsin, Kentucky, Indiana. Um, I've scouted, uh, a few other surrounding states, Illinois. Um, I've hunted there. So I, I yeah, I've done the out of state thing, like five, five years, the last five years and, but never like I hit a buck in Indiana that that died. There was too much blood loss for that thing to probably live, I feel. But I, I I couldn't find him. Um and then yeah, I just really hadn't been able to create the second opportunity. Um, and then I've elk hunted twice uh as well as far as the out of state thing. Um, and both both times unsuccessful. We we had a great trip this year, but uh just uh could did uh, connected but not a fatal hit um that's but a, yeah no the that's of, a that's yeah.
1: a win and, and yeah. for a lot of guys just to be able to have a shot opportunity at an elk that's probably the reason why i don't go and do it because the chances of that are pretty low
2: yeah i'm not gonna yeah it to me it's a we had a phenomenal elk trip seeing elk like five out of seven days um wow but, but will not it's not high on my priority list because out of the 10 days i was gone i was sat in a truck four of them you know, on the travel times. Mm-hmm. And, and so I wasn't hunting when, dude, I could be almost anywhere in the Midwest and leave it at midnight and get a full day of hunting, you know, and burn one day of, of PTO. But yeah, the out of state thing, I wish I'd have started doing that younger because in Ohio, we only get one tag. And so there's a couple of years there, um, right as I was getting out of uh, school, that I was letting those kind of tweener bucks walk when I should have maybe shot them and learned something as a bow hunter and then gone out of state and then developed skills elsewhere.
1: Yeah, that's a good point. I I think uh, a lot of people could could learn from that from your regret. Could learn that, that you know I I remember when Ala, which Alabama is still a priority for me, um, in the same way that Ohio is a priority for you. Like if I don't kill my Alabama bucks that I want to kill, then I'm probably not going anywhere else until I do. But now here I am. I'm I'm tagged out now, so I can go. Going to Florida next week. Uh, gonna go try to. I mean, if there's one place that'll teach you to be a better hunter, probably Florida. Um, <laughs> um, or at least teach you to be a humble hunter. Um, <laughs> then maybe go to Mississippi later in the month of January. So I'm gonna get a lot more opportunity to learn things, like you said. Um, but 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 like you, you know, I really like to focus on home. I like home. Um, and if, if one place, if, if I'm going to prioritize one place, it's going to be my home. Um, because I, I just, there's something about that, man, that just, there's not a whole lot of things like killing a buck at home. I love going out of state and doing those trips, but, um, but I do like, I like hunting at home. So the last, uh, man, I guess it's three, three seasons, I guess you've, you've killed you've been successful on good bucks in ohio this year though you were able to to uh punch another tag in another state um it's is that the i think it's the first time since i have known you that um you've done an out-of-state hunt been able to kill another buck is that that
2: is yeah that is correct so my sister actually shot her first deer the weekend after i killed a um my buck and that was a big kind of bucket list I- or yeah agenda item for me she, she traditionally hunts like let's call it one to two days a year and um has had a lot of debacles where can't find a deer in the scope uh her feet get cold at the very wrong time and we got those 30 yards from us with a, a muzzleloader in hand i mean so 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 she got her first deer this year as well so that was another like icing uh on the cake at this point but yeah this is my first year actually like I don't want to say connecting, but, but getting the job done out of state. And, and, and this was not the year I felt to do it because I had burned so much PTO in, uh, uh, on the elk trip early uh, in the September time period. But, uh, yeah, man, I have uh, – that yeah, was a monkey to get off the back, if you will, uh, to get an out-of-state buck down or a second, like, buck of the year, if you will, yeah. for myself. Um, it's
1: just – yeah. a and a cool deer, too, at that. Yeah, like, yeah, pretty – Big, uh, huge six-point
2: yeah yeah cool six point uh kind of a narrow raft a little bit like heavier um deer and and you know catching catching that deer side profile i i was like oh he's not a shooter um and full disclosure like i had jumped out the stand at this point i was on the ground and here he comes off the hillside and and so i was like dude why am i not in the stand just like because i I brought one uh one stick with me and i was setting up let's six foot off the ground or whatever just to see over the understory and here comes a buck um And I was like, Oh God, like I, I, I'm kicking myself that I'm not in the stand. And I couldn't tell how good he was. And I thought he might just be like a spindly four point. Like I just really couldn't tell. And, uh, had to go last the Mohicans and kind of move about 15 yards uh, to get closer (laughs) to him. And at that point he looks at me and I make the decision, okay, those are better brows. I think he's just like a narrow something a little better framed. Um, and and let the muzzle loader rip. Um, so so yeah that getting getting an out-of-state deer has been a goal of mine for a while and finally able to make it make it happen i actually the best blood trail i've been on was three years ago in indiana and i never found the deer i kicked him twice i thought he was one lung just based on what we were seeing and uh uh got an eye infection i think day two of the grid search I, i took a thorn or something in the eye and uh had to pull out and we looked for buzzards i mean we did the whole nine i i swear that deer that deer died it just uh we could we could not find him um Jeez. so yeah to get the monkey off the back this year was huge
1: well now what state was your second buck in this year
2: that was a kentucky deer That's so what I so I, yeah i was i was scatter hunting essentially doing a lot of uh, morning hunts and then I, I the wife you know she was she was gave me the green light on quite a few hunts down there through the month of the later half of november and then was able to get it done here with the muzzleloader she uh it was an all-day affair this time around and so i shot that deer at oh it was like five between five and five thirty that's about darks about five thirty and uh she worked the next day so i found that deer laying on the hillside after the shot it was still gray light ish and that was a a process to get out and she worked the next day so so i just had to keep going and getting that deer out the woods he died a I'm um, just about a mile and a quarter from the truck. Um, okay. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So, so I packed it, I packed that thing out. I, I ended up putting about 60 pounds in a pack frame and about uh, 50 on my 1.0. Uh, Cause I'm, I'm not the biggest dude in the woods by any means. I'm not, I'm not cam Haynes. <laughs> um, so I, I can, I can walk around with 50, 60 pounds on my back way easier than a hundred or so. And so like, I would, I would move, some, uh, uh, three, 400 yards with about 60 and then I go back and get the other one and, and move it and just kind of inch worm out the woods the, uh, that day.
1: I, I've, I've watched uh, a couple guys, Jake Bush, yourself, a couple of guys using the custom gear stands and doing the pack out method with them. And uh, yeah. th- there's not, I'll be honest with you, for me, I, I just really like the saddle. It's it's great for me. I, I enjoy it. I really don't have any reason to to not use a saddle. Um, mm-hmm. But, man, watching you guys pack out deer and the ability that you ab- you're able to have with those stands to still carry, you know, you I mean, for your essentials, you carry a fanny pack or even the, uh, what's the, what's the? lone wolf custom
2: gear pack uh yeah there, there is a wolf pack and, and then the um, wolf pack. Uh, yeah, yeah i've had an assortment of backpacks i like a lot of extra pockets there on the outside but um uh, you could do the same thing though with a frame pack if you had a frame yeah uh like a like some sort of frame either frame bag or just they also have like just raw frames that you, you could just strap stuff mm-hmm. to back at the yak or whatever and i generally leave what i call like the kill kit bag at the truck and that for me that's a, a kuyu bag um with knives in it and lights and that thing has a frame on it and and so So that, you, it's always
1: is, it's always a trip back for you. If you it, if yeah. you shoot it's always going to be a trip back.
2: Yeah, so when I shot this deer I took uh, my hunting bag of the day and my my two sticks and my muzzleloader back to the truck and then grabbed the the recovery stuff got some extra waters. I knew it was going to be a late night. I uh, uh, so I took an energy shot then. Um <laughs> and then came back to the deer. If you will, I left my stand there cause I knew that was going to be part of my pack out process. I thought about this a little bit that I thought for myself, like I put a hundred pounds on my back. That is not something I I, I want to sign up to do. So <laughs> I had made the decision. I was going to do two mini packs. If you will, I was going to move something, uh, two, three, 400 yards and then go back and get the other, uh, 50 pound load.
1: You, you custom gear guys. Y'all are a different breed when it comes to sticks than us saddle hunters. Um, or, or heights, I guess, like, I can't think of a single dude that I know. And I know a lot of you guys, I know, uh, Jake, uh, uh, Taylor Philpott, um, you, of course, Cody, um, uh, Jake Lishan, I think is how you say his last name. Um, all you guys I know, y'all are like, yeah, we go like two feet up in the tree. I'm like, you don't even need it. Like, you don't have to even carry anything uh to do that y'all just have a nice seat you know um, Yeah,
2: yeah but but it gives you something level to sit on um, yeah you know i have killed some deer low but then I, the snow buck i was four long sticks and a long aider at the bottom like you know i was probably 20 plus feet up you know yeah. uh, i i i i i have a diversity of hunting heights but uh-huh. i am no, no longer afraid to hunt low especially with a gun you got a pretty good advantage there sure Yes.
1: Yeah, exactly right that's exactly right. I always think it's funny though. Like, you don't ever see saddle hunters that are like, "Yeah, I think I'm just gonna go like three feet up." <laughs> you know? Yeah. But that might be that might be totally a spot where
0: the,
2: yeah, that might be a spot where the stand has a, a, the advantage. Um, is if you are like real, real low, you don't have a bridge to shoot around. If it was super close quarters, mm-hmm. you're literally just standing on a mini platform next to a small tree. If, and, and it's a quick, quick encounter. I don't know. It's
1: like a bragging point for y'all at this point, though. Like, so I'm on the Mobile Hunters United page on Facebook. And it's like, I see guys that are like, finally killed my deer from, you know, one stick up. And that's like, the people are trying to make, that's like a goal now. Like, how low can we possibly get this stand <laughs> and it still be and still be effective, you know? So I, that, I think it's funny.
2: Yeah, um, no, and. I like it because one, it's a real fast setup, and then um, a lot of times Dave will be like, "Well, why don't you hunt on the ground?" And I feel like, like when you turkey hunt, right, and you sit against a tree, you can't see very far. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, when you get, let's say, you put the the base of that platform anywhere between three to six foot off the ground or, or ten, you know, maybe two mini sticks high, you could see over a lot of things. And I think part of maybe killing a deer in a close quarter uh, situation uh, is seeing them just before they, they, they can see you, you know, so you mm-hmm. catch the visual, uh, through thick cover and you know, you got to get drawn cause he's going to step into this lane and probably stare you right in the eyes. Um, no yeah, it, yeah. The hunting low thing. I wasn't a, I was a little skeptic when I met Cody way back, uh, about six years ago. And I was like, you know, I, th- I don't know. I don't know. And so I, I started doing it a little bit, doing it a little bit where maybe be like, let's call it two out of 30 hunts. I'd hunt low. Well, then in 2018, I killed my biggest buck to date, and I was only two sticks high, you know, in a thicket. And I was like, oh, shit, maybe there's something to this. And (laughs) from then on, yeah, if I'm standing there in the woods, I could be 25 foot or six foot, and they've got all the cover here at six. Yeah, I think I'll take the six-footer. Sure.
1: You get better shot angles from low. I'm the same way, like in early season. I really enjoy early season setups just because uh, I can typically be a lot lower in the tree. Um, yeah. because all the cover, you know, you get, you got leaves on the trees, so you get more cover. I, I do enjoy, I, and I do also really like the setup. Uh, when you have less sticks, it's less to tear down. It takes you about, you know, whatever, five minutes less to get out of there at night. Yeah. So, um, no, man, I, I, I completely, I get it. Um, y'all just brag about it a lot. <laughs> and, yeah. Uh... <laughs> yeah.
2: Yeah. I think a little bit of it it is disbelief. Maybe there is a a chest-pounding effect now to it. There is. There totally is. Uh, It is also super heart-pumping. Like, uh, uh, Uh the deer I killed, I think, was it last year? Like, I think the the, the image, and I'm sure you have this with some of your buck encounters, like, a lot of times the image that's burned into your head is, like, maybe your first glance at a buck coming through the woods or the, the time you see him on the ground, like, he's dead, like, mission accomplished. But I remember this deer, the black eyeball sticks out to me, uh, the buck I killed two years ago, because literally it's a rainy day, so I couldn't hear him coming. And I see that black eyeball in, in just a, a good frame at seven yards. And I'm like, like that is just burned into my head about that low hunt. And uh-huh. it, it was just, yeah, that, that to me was a very uh, pumping experience being, you know, three foot off the ground, seven yards from a whitetail. that doesn't happen often it's pretty cool it's pretty cool
0: yeah
1: byron so what's your if you had to kind of put your uh like hunting strategy inside of a nut a nutshell um what would you say are the things that you focus on for big woods deer
2: yeah i do a lot uh of off-season scouting Uh, in the past couple years i've hit somewhere around 70-ish miles um, in the off-season and that gives me like a blueprint and then I would say, like, another key factor, though, is I have the blueprint, but a lot of times I'm killing these deer, not necessarily in one of those predetermined pins, like maybe a scout or a visual trail camera. Something leads me to another ambush point. So I'm never married to a certain ambush point uh, uh, prior, prior to the day, if you will. Um, and then... <sighs> Uh, I have this saying in my head that's do what's hard do what's right you know um and and that that to me means okay maybe I get up 20 minutes earlier because that means I'm gonna beat trucks to the parking lot you know maybe I'm gonna bring uh I'm gonna pack my lunch the night before because I know I should sit in until at least you know 12 or noon at, at this particular ambush point um maybe it means i drive a little bit farther to get a, a, a to get to a better piece and and you know be hunting somewhere good for an hour versus driving somewhere that's a little bit lesser and and hunting for maybe an hour and a half or an hour and 45 minutes so that that's that's kind of a few of my my things is is off season scouting and then it's generally like an in season scout or an in season uh something clue gives me the ambush point of where i need to be so no predetermined uh, thoughts there and then that final thing is is kind of just hard work you know yeah do it's hard do it hard right.
1: hard work is a is a big part of it should be a big part of a lot of guys and and it for sure is a part of guys who are consistent like yourself um always do you know ted bright Do you know Uh, that name?
2: Name rings a bell for sure. Okay,
1: so Ted Bright is, uh, I know him through uh, a lot of the Tethered stuff. Um, He's on the Tethered team. Super good guy, one of the nicest guys you'll ever meet. Um, And he said something one time in a, uh, I don't know, maybe it was a Facebook post or something, but I know it was him who said it, and it really stuck out to me. I don't even know if I've ever told Ted this, so if he listens to this, uh, it's going to make him blush. But Ted said something one time when somebody was like, "Man, I don't know how y'all. Why, why would you take you know that route? It'd be impossible to get a buck out from there. If if you shot one, it'd be impossible." And he's like, "You know, I never even I never even consider the I never even consider getting a deer out until I have a deer on the ground. <laughs> you know what I mean? And yeah. so it's like, don't don't make your decisions based on how hard it is going to be to get out of there or you know whatever like mm-hmm. you can cross so there you're going to get it out you're going to figure it out um you know worst yeah. case scenario you'll just be there all night or have to get some buddies to come and help you uh the next morning or whatever you're going to get the deer out the the hardest part and the like you don't don't put yourself in a bind before you get there <laughs> you know what i mean um yeah. and that goes back to what you're saying about Hard work is always, you know. I I I think about this during turkey season um, a lot. I got a place that I could hunt immediately. You know, it's forty five minutes away from the house, and in the last couple of years, I've heard I don't know two or three birds gobble on oh, this wow. piece. Like it's been very tough hunting. Like that's a, all season long. You might hear mm-hmm. two or three gobbles. That doesn't mean you're going to see the bird. You're just going to hear them gobble at some distance, or then that's like 45 minutes from my doorstep, or I could drive two hours and hear 15 bird gobble every morning and, you know, maybe kill, maybe kill one, you know, if, and if I go six times and I kill my three birds or four birds, whatever the limit is now, I can't remember, uh, that, I'm going to, I worked a little bit harder in those moments, but. I'd still be trying to kill my first one at this other place. Yeah, that's to true. Home, yeah. You know? And so uh, I have to I, uh, wake up earlier. I have to drive further, but it goes back to what you're saying. I mean, that's a huge tactic.
2: Yeah, yeah. I I, I have a buddy, and if he listens to this, he'll know what I'm talking about. He'll He's going to like a piece, right? And then we'll be like, hey, I think this is the area to go get into. And he got up early, right? He drove across the state. He puts weight on his back, right, to go in and hunt. And he'll stop, let's call it 300 yards short. Or he'll hunt, you know, this tree instead of like making the extra effort or extra hill climb to get to where he should go. And it's like, dude, like you can't shortchange, um, you know, you can't go you know, like half-ass things. Mm-hmm. You can't. Not not if you want to be successful or, or elevate your game, in, I feel like in the, the whitetail woods.
1: There's always going to be um, those guys who are willing to do that and there, I mean, it, it goes back to, uh, I don't know, what is it? The eighty twenty rule. Yeah. Uh, 20% of the guys are killing 80% of the, the deer, you know, 80% yeah. of the, the harvest numbers that you see, it's probably only 20% of the hunters that are actually doing that. Um, and I think it, I think it goes back to what you're saying. I th- people have their own ways of doing things, you know, Mike Perry, he likes to hunt Creek crossings, um, Some people like to hunt buck beds. Some people like to do... There's all kinds of different ways to kill a deer. Um, Mm -hmm. But the one thing that is very, very consistent with everybody that does it, like yourself, is being willing to do it. Being willing to do the things that the other people don't want to do. And uh, I think that separates people, man. That is the number one separating factor. Everything else has its place. People have different hunting styles, but... I think every style pretty well, other than poaching and shooting deer at night with a spotlight. Um, yeah. That's the only one that doesn't require going the uh, doing the the extra work. But um, you know, I think I think it's a uh, I think it's just a maybe an unwritten rule of deer hunting. Yeah, that, that's just that's going to be what helps you be more more successful on a consistent basis.
2: Yeah, yeah, no doubt the consistent guys somebody can luck into a good buck or, or somebody can luck into a good buck and quote everybody's Facebook tactics for, for a year or two, but look at what they do in five years. And you kind of can tell at this point uh, who who's really doing what they're talking about or who really is, is truly obsessed or, 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 you know puts in the true effort to to get it done uh year in and year out even i i've got a guy who lives right around the corner for me is a great deer hunter um killed some really good deer shannon and that dude he glasses he food plots he runs camps i mean him and i are are working at uh doing two different tasks a lot of times you know, complete opposite ends, but dude, he is always doing something mm-hmm. to improve his deer hunting. And, and so, yeah, a, a lot of guys like that, Justin Hollingsworth and, and um, anybody doing things at a high level, I feel like is always, always doing something. Do you
1: have anything in big woods that as far as like what you say, you do a lot of scouting. Is there like a specific thing that you're always looking for? Obviously, you're looking for sign but like Mm -hmm. terrain features or vegetation features, or maybe you're just trying to find hot feed trees or something like that. Is there any one thing that is your number one, I guess, common denominator in uh, a lot of the spots that you kill deer?
2: Yeah, I'm not a huge (laughs) e-scouter. So for me, it does take boots on the ground. I, I like the, I've got to be able to see something. I feel like visually, um, I do like cover, I like, I, I do have a thing where I like a combination of features sure. where maybe I've got a, a clear cut in the area and this is like the next best hogback, kind of in and out of that system. And then there's oaks one hill over. So wait a minute, now I've got three things working for me versus just one, or this is, um, oh, there's there's a falling down log here in this upper third that pinches things down. And there's also maybe two doe bedding areas. So now like instead of hunting the two doe bedding areas that that fallen tree does kind of pinch some stuff down here and and now I've got a combination of features. I feel like that's something i I kind of look for. Um, but a lot of times I gotta visually see it and 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 kind of figure it out at that point. i I would say those those are some of the things I really look for in what where I hunt and I don't and I don't love open timber. I like a little something on the ground. It doesn't have to be stupid thick, like a clear cut, you know, I'm in, but I don't like a really big open timber, even though I think some bucks bed there just for visual advantages in in the big woods.
1: Mm -hmm. Yeah, I I 100% agree, Um, which kind of helps you narrow areas down because in the big woods, at least where I hunt in the big woods, the majority of those woods are wide open, especially, you know, once you start getting to November, December. And so you're are you are you. What's that? Are
2: you a big e-scouter guy, or do you visually like? Do you do a lot of boots to ground? Uh, I guess let me ask. Let me turn that question around a little bit.
1: I will say this: um, most of the places that I frequent, uh, I found via e-scouting. Now,
2: okay, so you you are an e-scout. Oh, yeah,
1: I, I always will. Yes, I absolutely. I will always look at the maps and that's usually where I first am like, okay, maybe this is a spot to go look at. Uh, but I'm also, if I go to a new place, um, unless on the map, I can see like this clearly has everything that I'm looking for. There are going to be deer. here. There's some spots like that, that I, Mm -hmm. I find on a map and you can see very clearly. This is what I like. I'll go in blind in the morning and climb up a tree and I've been successful that way. Uh, but i'll say that most of the spots like the areas that i hunt maybe a specific tree or in a general 20 yard area um maybe i found it via e scouting but after having been in there and seen it i just You'll yeah i i just where i'm at almost i would say all of them most of most all of them that i go back to uh i i have fine tuned it in and figured out better ways to hunt it than I originally thought with with e-scouting. I actually, uh, the buck I killed, um, it was my second buck this year, I shot in a spot that is perfect. I mean, it just absolutely is perfect. The first time I ever hunted there was two years ago, um, two, two, three years ago, three years ago to the day that I shot the buck this year. Uh, December the 7th of whatever that was, 2018. I went in there the first day and I killed a mature deer, mature buck. Mm-hmm. And I told my dad, he was there, he was, uh, it was rutcation that year too. And uh, I went in there first day, shot that buck, probably one of the older deer that I've ever killed in Alabama. Um, and I shot this one in a different, uh, probably 75 yards past where I shot, the first one at, and I told dad, I was like, you know, my theory was okay of why I shot this deer, the the, the first deer, I was like, but I really shouldn't have killed that deer that first day, um, I had, I, I believe I actually grunted him in, because when you push further about 75 yards up, then you can see why deer are in that area, I mean, there's a terrain feature, there's a creek, like a, or a, a draw that goes bleeds directly into a three-way hard edge um, that's, I mean, look, like it's perfect. And I shot that buck walking that draw um, this year. The first year, I believe probably I just grunted a buck in to where I was. uh, And that's why he was, that's why he was there. But I told dad, I was like, it makes no sense other than I grunted him in why that deer would have ever come down this finger. He wouldn't have anywhere to go. And, uh, so that's a good example of, I went in, it was successful on a blind sit first thing in the morning, but I still fine tuned it. And probably every time I hunt that from now on, I'll go back into the same spot where I shot the buck at this year. So, um, you
2: found the kill tree in that ambush point. If mm -hmm, you will,
1: absolutely. And no doubt a guy could get lucky, uh, buck could chase a hot doe in front of you during the rut. But I, I do think that even with the rut going on, you can up your odds big time by, uh, just, just understanding by fine tuning, like what you're saying and, and understanding terrain features and understanding, you know, uh, vegetation and, and what deer like mature deer like to travel. So I'm, I'm a lot like you though, man. I I like to see it. I like to do a lot of in season scouting. Um, but you know, have you noticed where you're at that, certain terrain features tend to produce more frequently than than others
2: yeah um two two parts on that one one i feel like the most obvious uh terrain feature on the map never produces um a saddle (laughs) some a lot of times that was number two that was number two like dude like i'm just not i'm not i'm not a huge saddle guy i haven't i i've watched you just not take them um and you're like well they should but they to me it's not a, a big factor um it's not something to base everything on they, they this year one of my b- better hunts of the year seeing some red action uh, was off a saddle but the, it was it was vegetation it was a point there was like three or four things I put well above the saddle but I noticed uh these deer were coming through the saddle in the morning or whatever and I'm like oh these deer are actually using this thing mm-hmm. didn't think they were Um, but that's, yeah, that's something I feel is kind of over, overrated, um, at least where I hunt.
1: And a lot of times, like there's a, there's a, a place in Kentucky where I hit the deer at this year and I didn't recover. And then where I shot the big buck at last year, it's the same exact spot and it's a saddle. Um, like you said, it's, it's not like the others. Uh, it's, it's got thick cover on it. I mean, a hard edge going down it. I mean, it's a, it's a really good spot, regardless of it being a saddle or not. But the other thing is that it's very difficult to get to other than if you come at it by water. And so sure. I think deer naturally are inclined to use a saddle um, just, just naturally. But when you're starting to talk about, you know, a mile and a half and in from mm-hmm. a parking area, those are going to stick out to everybody. And so the human pressure might you know interfere with that movement more than anything
2: yeah Um, especially like year over year they probably i would think they would pick up on hey that that saddle that's not terribly hard for a hunter to go to generally has a hunter in it at some point during the fall and so let's let's not use that saddle but maybe the the saddle that i don't know is is tougher to get to or just mm -hmm. sees less hunting pressure oh they use that all, all day maybe every day
1: sure and i find that where i'm at a lot of the a lot of the best terrain features to hunt are the things that are a little more subtle, you know, mm-hmm. the things that, that don't just like stick out, you know, like, Oh my gosh, look at that thing. I think the more people start understanding thermal hubs, I think the more pressure you start seeing on thermal hubs. But right yeah. now we're at a, actually a pretty neat place in time where even still people aren't understanding them completely how they're, supposed to be hunted they just see a bowl on a map and they're like that doesn't sound good um but the more people learn about those i think the the more popular they'll get but you know those subtle like really subtle draws that lead into a a, a nice you know hard edge or something like that those seem to be just killer
2: where, where i killed my ohio buck i uh scouted that area october 10th 11th ish and i walked i think roughly like a thousand yards or whatever And it was the only place I stopped, I actually put a cam out because I was like, dude, like Spidey senses went off, like there was a shelf and then like, like the, the habitat or or the vegetation was good. Oh, And here's a pretty steep, you know, mini bluff, not a, not a steep bluff, but oh, wait that, you know, if I was a deer, I'm not going around that. I'm going to come down onto this, this flatter shelf and the hillside over, there was a natural deer path that kind of crossed over and led right to it. Like I naturally walked it. I was like, oh. You would have never seen that from a million years on, on uh, e scouting. It, it just stumbled across it, mm-hmm. and uh, that that's where I had my my encounter uh, in Ohio and was able to get it done there this year. That and that goes a lot with what we've talked about over this podcast.
1: Absolutely, and that and it goes back to earning it. You know, I think um, going and and looking at an area instead of saying I'm just going to go in blind and get what comes. You know. And that, maybe that's a good idea. Sometimes, I, definitely, mm-hmm. I still do it. But but going and actually getting eyes on an area, just you earned it just that much more because you went a little bit extra step. Because I can't tell you how many spots I've went to blind and been like, "This sucks. I should have <laughs> never wasted a day coming here." Um, so I appreciate you, man. I appreciate you coming on the show and sharing, sharing, uh, you know, just your experiences and your some really solid information and. Uh, I think, I think. Whenever it comes down to it, I'm probably gonna have to title this episode "Hard Earned <laughs> Bucks" with Byron Horton. Uh, yeah, because you definitely do that. You earn them, and I love it, yeah. man. I respect you know it.
2: you know all about it, man. And one of these days, I'm sure we'll we may cross paths in the woods at some point and not know about it. Yeah, that'll be true. Uh, that'll be true. You, you traveling fiend.
1: Um, I'm trying to so more, man. I'm yeah. definitely trying.
2: Did you ever make it? We, we discussed prior to the year. We're not going to... Uh, did you ever make it up there or look at that?
1: I never went to Ohio. Okay. Um, I was uh, planning on... The plan was that I was going to go Kentucky, then go to Ohio, and then go up to Pennsylvania to do the Spartan Forge hunt. Mm-hmm. Um, when I didn't shoot a buck on the first week in Kentucky, I was like, well, I'm not going to go to Ohio. I've already, I've still got a Kentucky Spen, tag.
2: Yeah, you spent the tag money. So Indeed.
1: I just went back to Kentucky instead of going to Ohio, and then I didn't even get to go to Pennsylvania because my son got really sick. He was like really yeah, I
2: remember sick. remember Hearing about that,
1: and so I was not able to go up to Pennsylvania. So a lot of that, my I guess northeastern hunts that I was going to be doing kind of got kind of got pushed off to the side. But one of these days, Ohio's freaking non-resident tag is so cheap compared to the other states surrounding it, like. I've got to go to Ohio. Like, no doubt.
2: Yeah, we could we could talk off record a little bit. I, yeah. I'll elaborate. Uh, I got some thoughts there.
1: Yeah, absolutely, man. Okay, so uh, tell us where anybody who wants to see you and your buddies kill these hard-earned bucks, uh, where can they hear and see more of that?
2: Yeah, yeah, I would recommend to go to our YouTube channel. Just type in the Whitetail Experience. Uh, you can see those videos there on on oh, a hunting playlist. Uh, the the Ohio big buck from this year, he is not out um, just yet because uh, I want to I want to do that film right. Um, so so that is going to be in the editing hopper for a summer release. And uh, but yeah, you can see years past, and and that's probably the best outlet uh, to to catch us uh, on social and that one. So.
1: Well, you guys don't ever talk about it, but y'all have a very good hunting podcast as well. Um, it, it,
2: yeah, it's more of an extension, I feel like, of what we do. It is,
1: but it's good. I I really enjoy it. Y'all, y'all talk about little specific nuggets. You don't have to. You don't have to sit there for three hours just to get to the good part. You sure. know, or if I can
2: grab Jake Jake Bush and and we can learn us a little something about whole country betting. That is yeah. on the next level.
1: He is. He is so. well, Byron. Dude, I appreciate you coming on, man. And uh, if you get to go out any, if you, is your hunting season over? Are you done? Are you um, going somewhere else?
2: I don't think. Yeah, I, I may help uh, a buddy muzzleloader hunt um, get a beat on some bucks, but I think I am I am done pr- pursuing for the year.
1: Awesome, man. Well, great season, and uh, we wish you the best of luck.
2: Thanks, man. Thanks for having me.
1: Thank you all so much for listening to this week's episode of the Southern Ground Hunting Podcast as always a big shout out to all of our partners that's go wild spartan forge tethered new canoe and scree gear you can keep up with southern ground hunting by following us on facebook and instagram or you can subscribe to us on the youtube channel make sure you check out southerngroundhunting.com to pick up some of our merch hats t-shirts stickers stuff like that i truly hope you enjoyed this week's episode and we'll see you here again next week Remember this, God gave you dominion over the birds of the air, the fish of the sea, and the beasts of the earth. So go out and exercise that dominion. We'll talk to you next time.